Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, July 17th, 2021. If you were a Christian and going to church in the early 2000s, then you probably sang the song, Better Is One Day. Let me rephrase that. You probably sang the song, Better Is One Day, a lot. Right, that was back in kind of the earlier days of a lot of more uh, modern contemporary worship choruses, and that was well, that was a big one, right? That probably was sung in churches all around the world. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Well, today we see the verse that that psalm comes from, and it comes from Psalm eighty-four, and it's. Specifically going to come from Psalm 84, verse 10. Now, if you remember the verses of that song, we sang the lyrics or we read basically the lyrics of one of the verses of that chorus yesterday in verse one, when it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Uh, But then we get to that familiar refrain for a day in your courts. This is verse 10 now for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And so we think about that. And again, if you were been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably sung those words many, many times. But today I want us to stop and think about what does that mean? What does it mean when we say better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, especially the context of this psalm even speaks of a pilgrimage, uh, them going to a physical place, Jerusalem, to worship God in the temple there. So how does that relate to us? And again, Jesus has made it clear a day is coming when it's not in Jerusalem on this mountain or that mountain when he spoke to the Samaritan woman in John 4, but you will worship me in spirit and in truth. So I don't think for us, as we look at this psalm, it's really about the same idea of going to Jerusalem or going even to any physical place, but there is a sense that we fulfill this as we worship in spirit and truth. And I think really a lot of it goes to be about the mindset with which we live and do we live our lives in the presence of God? Do we view ourselves as as Christians Really, I'm living every day in the courts of the Lord. That for me, it's not about a special time when I go to a special place, but every day I live in the presence of God. And not just, well, because God's omnipresent and so I'm always in the presence of God. No, but more of an awareness and even a conscious decision that no, I am living today with an awareness that God is present, that God is watching and that God is here and even that God is here in a good way to bless his people. And I think a lot of the mindset really of this idea of, hey, better is one day uh, really comes in in verse 11. And this is an amazing verse. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so, and then even the last verse, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So there, I think we really see 
this mindset is not just about going somewhere and doing something. It's the people that every day say, God is the sun and I'm going to walk in his light. God is a shield and I will take refuge in him. And one of the reasons why it's better to be there than anywhere else is I love the end of verse 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so that should be, I think, a comfort to us in times where we feel like there's something missing in my life. And I think we really need to come back to saying, hey, I feel like there's something missing. Either I'm not walking uprightly or uh, really, God, it's, it's not a good thing that I feel like I'm missing. If God has not given it to me, it's because he does not think that's what is best for me. And that's where I should be thankful to God. And so I want to ask you as we start this weekend, are you living today in the presence of God? Saying God is a son, I'm going to walk in his light. God is a shield, I'm going to take refuge in him. And I'm going to do it all with a confidence that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then we can truly say, God, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be living in the presence of God and walking in his light and taking refuge in him than running after the world and all the things that it has to offer. No, what God has to offer us is better. And so better is one day with him than thousands elsewhere. But the good news for us as believers is we will get thousands of days with God in this life and in the life to come. And even just as we think about how good God has been to us, let's look at one of the most magnificent passages of scripture, I think, in the entire Bible, and that is the first 10 verses of the book of Ephesians, or sorry, of chapter two of Ephesians, the first 10 verses of chapter two of Ephesians. It talks about, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. I mean, what a powerful presentation of the reality of our lives before we were Christians. We were dead in sin. We were following the path of the devil, the world, our own passions, and it was all headed towards the wrath of God. Verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. And look what it goes on to say, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Wow. Right? Just consider that. In the ages to come, there's just more grace coming. And so that's where we think about a thousand days in the presence of the Lord. Well, we've got thousands of thousands of years to live in the presence of the Lord and all of it will be grace upon grace. And and that's how we were saved. That's what it gets to in verse eight. But specifically today, there's so much we could get out of Ephesians two. I want to highlight that future element of Ephesians chapter two to you, that in the ages to come, uh, there's, there's more grace coming. It's immeasurable and it's rich. 
And, and there's more where that came from. So we get a taste of it even right now, living in the presence of God. But someday we will get the full fruition of it as we live together with God in heaven um, forever. And, and so may we look forward to that day. And, and that day should change some of our perspective here and now. And that brings us back to Luke chapter six. Yesterday, we kind of stole that line from the old songwriter, Sam Cook. a change is going to come. And Jesus saying, hey, if you're frustrated with things in this world, a change is coming. Those who are poor, hungry, and weeping now, you're going to be rich, uh, full, and laughing later. And today he gets to that familiar line, judge not, and you will not be judged. Now, that's a lot of people's favorite verse in the Bible because they think of it as a blanket. Well, hey, you can't judge me. Uh, And we need to be careful with what Jesus is saying because I think a lot of people want to say, well, you can't you know, ever say anything uh, that concludes anything about anyone. And no, I think God's word says some pretty clear things. And there's times where we need to look at some even teaching that's out there and say, oh, no, that's that's false. Uh, and we need to look at actions that someone is taking and say, oh, no, that's that's evil. And I don't think this passage is preventing us from saying that we need to judge with right judgment. But at the same time, I mean, all I need to do is log on to Twitter and look at, you know, the Christians that I follow. And I see a lot of, you know, sniping back and forth and people impugning the motives of other people and a lot of things that I think, well, we need to be careful. Judge not and you will not be judged. And that's where, no, when there's things that are clearly wrong, uh, no, we should, we should say so. But there's so much. And I think that Christians even love to fight about that is not really in that realm where we should not be judging others or condemning others, but we should be even generous in our opinion of others. And that's where we get to that idea of generosity in verse 38, when it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's where we need to Look for some balance between some tension here in the Christian life where, no, I don't want to just get soft where, hey, I don't discriminate discriminately think about anything with wise judgment. And I'm just like, oh, it's all good when it's not. But I also don't want to just kind of get so um, harsh that anybody that doesn't agree with me on everything and doesn't say things exactly the way I would say them, well, they must be worse than me. No, we want to avoid that. We want to be generous as Christians, even towards other Christians. And if we really think about what we saw in Psalm 84 and Ephesians 2, how could we not be generous people when we realize how much we have received by grace and by grace alone? Finally, let's look at 1 Chronicles 23 through 25. And as we look at these passages, we see a lot of organization, which again, you might be like, oh, is this like back to the genealogies? And you know, hey, no, no, no snoring aloud as we read this. But I want you to think as David prepares for the temple to be built, there was a lot of work that went together in just making that all happen. The Levites, the priests, the musicians, they all, they're all, a lot of order had to go into that. And so we don't gather to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And even worship is not all about a, a physical place, but corporate worship as a gathered church body is incredibly important in the Christian life. And you know what? There's a lot of organization that goes into that too, uh, to really do it well. And so as you 
get together with your church family, hopefully tomorrow. I want you to spend some time thinking about all the work that goes into making that happen, all the organization. My church meets in a middle school uh, that we have to set things up and tear things down every Sunday. And we have an incredible team that does that. It takes a lot of organization. We do a lot of ministry to the young children in our church. And there's an awesome team that puts that together. We, we talk about the organization of musicians. That's something that has to happen every week at our church. And so I want you, as you go to your church tomorrow, to just be aware of all the people working together to organize that process and maybe even to thank some of them tomorrow. Because even though it's not about going to a physical place, there is a, a, a good taste of heaven that we get when we gather and we worship as believers. And I hope tomorrow as you worship with your church family, one thought that goes through your head this week is, you know what? Better is one day here than a thousand elsewhere. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.